Okay, this is the Saucer Afterlife um, listener feedback episode for the first part of our look at the book Millabs by Helmut and Marion Lammer. So, first of all, uh, a listener on Patreon says, wanted to let you know that my mom and I listened to the episode on a road trip today, and the MUFON letters had us rolling laughing. Really, really glad you included that. Yeah, the um, and there's going to be some other comments about those MUFON journal letters as well. The back and forth between um, Victoria Alexander and um, and and Lammer and uh, and and the others is is really kind of kind of telling and um, it's it's fun. There's going to be more of that. There's going to be more sort of back and forthing over this topic by people, some of whom have a vested interest in some of these things in part two. And just a reminder that you can join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash chizomedia or just chizomedia.com. We'll take you there. And chizo is C-H-E-E-S-O media, uh, like cheese, but with an O instead of an E at the end, then media.com. And on Instagram, uh, another sort of comment about the uh, the, the journal, uh, Millabs Part 1, come for the conspiracy theory, stay for the late 90s drama carried out in the comments of a printed, I presume, UFO journal. Yes, this was all in the pages of the very, very, in 1999, 97, 98, 99 paper-based MUFON UFO journal. And what's, I don't know, some of you remember, most of you remember when print media was a much more common thing than it is now. And, you know, you, you waited in the case of the MUFON journal two months to see what somebody might say about something you just read. So there's these long lag times in these conversations, which is something that we're not necessarily used to here in the, uh, the, I don't know, gosh, we're more than 20% of the way through the 20th century, which is, or gosh, 21st century. I don't even know what century it is. Uh, no wonder I keep writing the wrong year on checks. I'm kidding. I don't write checks. Um, Strangely enough, I don't write checks. You'd think I'd be a check person, but maybe not. In email, Lester says, great episode, and he's looking forward to Pelly, the silver shirts, and the fascist tendency in ufology. We've touched on that a bit, but Pelly, uh, William Dudley Pelly, is going to to be something something else. I am not sure where um, where Pelly is going to fit on the schedule. It's, um, it's one of those episodes that gets bigger the more I look at it. And Lester continues, uh, regarding mind control, the question immediately arises, quis custodiet ipsos custodos, or who watches the watchers? Who controls the minds of the mind controllers? How far does the sequence of mind controllers go? Or how far back does the sequence of mind controllers go? Do the archons, the planets, the god of the Calvinists? Um, that's a good question. If you've got, let's say, a cadre of people in the intelligence or military establishment who are engaged in mind control experimentation, what kind of oversight of that is there? And what happens if slash when you're able to mind control those who are supposed to be controlling the minds? That's uh, oh, that's that's a bit troubling. 
On the website at saucerlife.com, Vincent commented, this is a really excellent episode. You managed to combine both a fascinating, realistic explanation for some parts of the abduction phenomenon with highly entertaining inside ufology material. Helmut and Marion Lammer posit a series of government operations that, at minimum, could have happened and raise a lot of interesting questions. And then there's the incredible nerve of Victoria Alexander. While I doubt the allegations of vampirism, I have to say that if my spouse was a retired colonel and government scientist specializing in non weapons, the topics of abductions, military or alien, implants, and the black budget would be things of which I would at least pretend to be blissfully unaware. She has the tone of a drug lord's wife running for sheriff. That might be the best uh, description I can, the tone of a drug lord's wife running for sheriff. Also, allegations of being attention-seeking don't come off well when one spouse has a social media biography that makes him sound like Indiana Jones mixed with Chuck Norris. One last thing, maybe I'm paranoid, but why is this book so hard to find when Whitley Strieber's Communion is on the shelves of Barnes & Noble right now? Now, that is an interesting question, and it's it's not an, it's not entirely a paranoid question. Um, so, the book was published by Illuminate Press, which was, to my knowledge, mostly a one-man operation run by a guy named Ron bonds and illuminate published a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff they published um jim keith's books they published ken thomas books they published of an edition of gray barkers they knew too much about the men in black illuminate published some really really interesting stuff and especially when you're looking at ken thomas and jim keith's octopus material which is kind of beyond the scope of the saucer life but i don't know that seems like more of a patreon bonus thing since it's so far afield but illuminate dealt with some topics that were that were if you're being paranoid kind of dangerous to deal with and mill labs is one example so there's there's sort of some conspiratorial thinking going around or that's been going around that um, you had Jim Keith in, I can't remember the year 2000, I think fall off a stage at burning man, screw up his knee, go in for surgery. He said he was worried that if he went under for surgery, he would never come out and he died. Um, it was a blood clot, uh, which, which isn't unheard of in surgery, but a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there who say, well, considering the type of material he dealt with, maybe there was uh, there was somebody who wanted him taken out. Ron Bonds, uh, the publisher of Illuminate Press, died, this is just off the top of my head, I think I'm correct, uh, died following a bout of what he thought was food poisoning um, from, I think it was a Mexican restaurant. Uh, there was some sort of, of condition that that took hold after that and he died fairly quickly and not too long uh, not too long after Keith died there was there was some proximity between those two deaths and Illuminate sort of disappeared after that and um, yeah Millabs is incredibly hard to find not all Illuminate press books are if you look around you will find copies of Jim Keith's Saucers of the Illuminati you can find um, you can find the Illuminate Press version of um, Ken Thomas's Maury Island incident, which was republished sort of in an expanded version as JFK and UFO uh, several years later. You can find 
um, Jim Keith's Illuminate Press books on the Men in Black and Black Helicopters for a reasonable price. But Millabs, you can't. And my theory is, and somebody can correct me if they know more, my theory is that Millabs was published late, later, near the end, really, of the um, of the Illuminate Press sort of operation. And I'm wondering if because of that, because of the topic, because the company might have folded before more printings were done, if the initial print run was maybe smaller and there just literally aren't as many copies out there. Um, Lammer, from what I understand, this is kind of a spoiler for next week, but from what I understand, Lammer pretty much left the field, um, the ufology field after this. And he, he didn't he didn't need ufology, right? He's he's a, a well-regarded scientist over in Austria. So um, honestly, if, if you if you can leave the UFO field, perhaps one should. But I, that's my thinking about why Millabs is um, a little more rare or a lot more rare and a lot more expensive. On Facebook, Kirk says terrifying stuff, especially if real. Yeah, I always, I, I've said this before, but I think this is more worrying than actual aliens because this seems, I don't know, man, I know I sound like one of those mind control people, but dude, there's patents. There's, um, there's do- a documented history of the government monkeying with people's brains without their, without their consent. And it's, uh, it's troubling. Sam on Facebook says the saucer magazine debate in this episode with walk-ons from a bunch of familiar faces really illustrated how small and claustrophobic these milieus can be. The dynamics feel more like a small town than an international movement. Yeah, it is. Ufology is a small bubble despite, um, despite the explosion of social media and all of the, I don't know. I know how this sounds. All the random voices that show up. If you're looking at the top couple layers of people who talk about this stuff for a living or for a good part of their living, it's the same names over and over and over again. It really is a for decades. I mean, for decades. And um, they just keep sort of reiterating some of these things. And it's it's fun to see where these things sort of come from. And Sam also asks, uh, given that the author is Austrian and has published UFO books in his native German, does any of this filter through into Millabs? Good question. We may be addressing that in the next, uh, in the next episode. Um, okay. So thank you for the feedback. And that, that was, uh, that was fun. Um, I'm, recording this uh at the time i'm recording this it's, it's entirely possible that more comments will come through about part one comments or questions so i will uh, i will keep an eye on that and uh, include them in the listener feedback for part two so part two coming soon so thanks a lot uh thanks for your support thanks for listening thanks for the feedback and we will talk to you later